and welcome to LA Legal. I'm Liana. I'm joined today by Nima Romani, president of West Coast Trial Lawyers, and Alan Patitanian, founding partner of West Coast Trial Lawyers. So two of the brightest minds I have ever come across. So this is going to be a really uh, important and fun segment, I think. So today's topic is going to be about gun control. I got to stop you there. Today's topic is not going to be about gun control. This is about Sandy Hook and the victims holding the gun manufacturers civilly liable for their negligence. Gun control is when the government restricts your right to own a firearm. So this is something completely different. But I think we but should talk about that. Still. I'm happy to talk about gun control, but that's the gun nuts way of misframing this issue, which is a very narrow one. But okay. I'm happy to talk about okay. gun control Before as well. everyone loses it, let's, just, let's talk about Sandy Hook, okay? Sure. Um, breaking news. So Sandy Hook, for those of you who don't know, um, nine years ago, a gunman entered Sandy Hook Elementary School where he killed uh, 26 people, 20 of them children, six of them teachers and faculty. So since then, the families of the victims have been in heavy litigation with, the, with Remington, which is a gun manufacturer of the AR-15, uh, AR-15, yes. AR-15 uh, rifle that was used in the in the killing. So uh, let's talk about what you guys think about this, right? I mean, this is a historic settlement that came in. $73 million um, was agreed upon by Remington's insurance carriers and the families. So what are your initial thoughts? This has never happened before. I absolutely love it. You're talking a civil plaintiff's attorney that thinks that everyone should be held liable for their negligence. And these big corporations in this country have passed legislation insulating themselves from liability. And it's not just the gun manufacturers. It's big pharma and uh, vaccines. You can't sue them. You got to go to vaccine court. Doctors in many states have completely insulated themselves from liability. There's caps on damages. There's caps on attorney's fees. Um, Uber and Lyft recently here in California, they passed Prop 22. They're not subject to any employment laws. And gun manufacturers, are you kidding me? You can't be held liable for a weapon that you manufacture and market to young men? I I mean, I completely agree with you. I'm, 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 I'm all for holding uh, big companies liable, not giving a pass. I'm completely against, in principle, in government providing immunity for any industry. Uh, unless you're at a time of war, you need something really fast, you do it. But it, there's just no reason why there should be immunity, like it's like a blanket immunity for these types of industries, like manufacturers of guns, uh, pharmaceutical companies, um, but like you know, whatever. Like the big companies should not be immune from liability because that results in very dangerous activities. Um, in terms of this lawsuit and this settlement, I think it's great news that these families finally are going to be compensated for the loss, although no amount of money can kind of bring back to what you have lost. If you give them a choice, they won't have their families back Absolutely. instead of this money. Um, Sorry but I, to cut you off, but yes. it was actually double. Uh, the settlement is actually double what uh, Remington initially offered. I think the initial offer to settle was like 40, uh, 30. Yeah, they negotiated, they got a number, yeah. yeah. So at least they got something out of it. But their attorney's estimate that with punitive damages and everything, the settlement should like, have been close to $1 billion. From the emotional perspective, this is this is Not good. Well, well, this is good in terms of yeah. they got kind of something compensated it's it's not a it's not a, like a low amount it's a significant amount but in terms of like the legal impact on future cases i think i think i think the impact and the significance of this case is is sort of limited because it's not going to provide a legal precedent it will provide a kind of like a roadmap for other civil plaintiffs attorneys 
to proceed and bring these kind of cases against gun manufacturers, or even in, you know, maybe other, like in other industries, if there's an exception for like deceptive marketing, you can do that. But it, but it, but it's limited in that sense that it doesn't provide uh, kind of a quote unquote like, like a slam dunk precedent for future lawsuits. I it just gives a roadmap. Huge. I mean, I think it's huge. That roadmap itself is huge because I think when we call it just a roadmap, it kind of diminishes what happened here. I don't know if you agree, but I think it's huge because this has never happened before. And I think a lot of uh, there's a lawsuit that we had talked about earlier uh, in California. You know, I think this is going to be a big step in in the right direction where people are going to be other plaintiffs attorneys are going to be using this creative way to circumvent a federal law to to drive forward their own cases. Well, you're not circumventing the federal law. The federal law itself provides the exception saying uh, gun manufacturers cannot be sued for uh, for 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 deaths or injuries resulting from gun violence for misuse of the gun or the criminal activities. And then there's an exception they're saying but they can be sued by if the you know by this under the state laws for deceptive marketing practices. So the law itself provides that exception and allows you to sue them um, because it just covers out that area that just because you're not you're immune from direct liability for manufacturing your gun, you still need to behave and not aggressively market uh, your guns through specific groups or specific ways. What happens is in the, these, these gun manufacturers are so, um, are so greedy that they take a uh, like a rifle, for example, which is not used for like self-defense or anything else, right? It's for hunting purposes or or for military purposes, and they make it not automatic, but they design it in such a way that you can very easily modify it to make it automatic, and they market that design to you to appeal to you that listen, if you buy this, like they don't say it explicitly like that, but they have creative ways of marketing to the 18-year-old, a 19-year-old that, listen, you spend $300, you buy this gun and take it somewhere else for 50 bucks, they can make it automatic. Yeah. That's the problem. You're awfully yeah. quiet. What are your no, thoughts? I agree. And I just want to spend some time talking about the history of how we got here because maybe folks know, but maybe they don't. And, you know, and the case that you were talking about, the recent case, by the way, is the San Diego synagogue shooting case that is following along the same roadmap. But the way we ended up here, obviously Sandy Hook happened. Um, but setting that aside, in 2004, there was the Maryland sniper case. And those victims sued the gun manufacturers who settled for, I think, $2.5 million, if I recall correctly. And in response, in 2005, Congress passed a law, was signed by George Bush, that insulated these gun manufacturers from liability. Normally, manufacturers of any item are subject to liability for products liability, direct causes of negligence. Now, there are some exceptions, the most notable of which Alan and Liana talked about, which is the marketing. You can be sued for deceptive marketing, unlawful marketing. And maybe that exception has swallowed the rule, but that's what we're talking about here because normally these gun manufacturers don't face liability for these mass shootings. So um, the family sued and through some clever lawyering, they really blew through this exception. And as a result, uh, Remington had to file bankruptcy, Remington being the oldest gun manufacturer in the United States. They're now in Chapter 11 
and their insurance companies paid out, I believe it was the full policy, the 73 million. So whenever you get a policy limits, I think we're all gonna be happy there. I think it was between four insurance companies. So, okay, you mentioned insurance. Let's talk about um, the liability here, right? And accountability, excuse me, right? Because this case, the parents have said it, I think we all know, as Alan alluded to, it's not gonna bring the victims back. It's not gonna bring those kids and those, those uh, teachers back. But this is about accountability. So if Remington, let's just say, they're not reorganizing, they go into bankruptcy, so they can't pay out, their insurance company kicks in. Is it the insurance company that's on the hook? Are they now you know, liable? Is there really accountability on the gun manufacturer itself in this case and moving forward? Yes, I mean, and this is how accountability will work. Let's say I'm an insurance company, right? And Nima is a gun manufacturer. And we have, we're faced with this with the settlement, what's happened? <laughs> well, that's why I make him a gun manufacturer. You know, you know what I'm doing? <laughs> I'm slowly, I'm slowly turning him. So let's send him as a gun manufacturer, and I'm the insurance carrier, and we both have a meeting this month. We'll talk about this case of what's going to happen with the policy renewal for the next year. And he's a gun manufacturer. And I'm going to tell him, hey, Nima, I, we never thought this is going to be a problem. We never thought this will, this will happen. But now I think we're exposed, you know. So here's what we're going to do, Nima. Uh, we're going to change our policies. We're going to have an exclusion for, for this kind of uh, deceptive marketing practices. We're not going to cover you for marketing practices. We'll still cover for your regular liabilities and everything else, but we're going to cov- carve out an exclusion. Anything that happens that they sue you for your marketing practices, it's on you. That's how the insurance company will deal with it. That's why they will never be on the hook for it. Uh, or, or they will say, if you want us not to have this exclusion, then you need to, the, the amount of money that you have to pay is so much, it's like buying earthquake insurance in California. It's so ridiculous. Like, I don't know how many percent of the people in California have earthquake insurance. It's just ridiculous how expensive it is. I yeah. So I that's how more, I would address it. So, the, so I think the whole burden really falls on the gun manufacturer. Insurance carriers don't care because with a simple one line of exclusion, one page, they can get rid of the liability from their books. Yeah, if these families can force one of the oldest, one of the biggest gun manufacturers into bankruptcy, it is going to affect change. And like Alan said, these insurance companies, they're not running a charity. They're in the business of making money. And it doesn't matter if it's auto insurance, it's liability insurance, any type of insurance. And when they see this exposure, they're going to change their behavior. They're going to either not cover it, like Alan said, or the premiums are going to go through the roof. And there's a reason that Glendale, California, has the highest auto insurance premiums Ooh, in the entire shots country. Fired you know, because the insurance companies. I live in Glendale. Uh, what did I do to you? Yeah, but they know what they're doing, and they know when there's exposure, yeah. and they're going to act accordingly. I think insurance companies, in terms of, uh, you know, I hate insurance companies. I, I think I think I think insurance companies really work for the devil, but I think insurance companies really they have they have, they, they bring everything to like a science. They they it's all about money for them. It's all about they analyze every they're really good at analyzing risk benefits. They're in this to make a lot of money and they do a good job of doing that. And they're not gonna cover gun manufacturers for this kind of practices in the future. My my prediction is, in the next policy there'll be an exclusion for this kind of. How long until we trial lawyers put all the gun manufacturers out of business, Alan? Is it going to be five years, ten years? Uh, I don't think it will ever happen. Let me ask you guys this, though. What do you think is the root issue here, right? Why do we have so many mass shootings? Is it... Is it the manufacturer? Is it too many guns? Is it not enough guns? Is it lack of education? Like, what is it, in your opinion? Let's take a step back and start from there for a second, right? What is it that in our society 
causes people to to get their hands on their guns and go on these mass shootings. Well, it's not just ours in the United States. There have been other mass shootings in other countries too. In my opinion, I think it's it's a combination of two things. I think it's 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 lack of attention to the mental health issues that our youth face sometimes. Mm -hmm. And in combination of this kind of weapon, this kind of deceptive marketing practices that makes these guns so easily um, modifiable to uh, to more like like dangerous weapons. So I think it's a combination. For me, it's just, it's just a combination. We focus so much on the gun issue and the gun manufacturers that sometimes we ignore the, the root of the problem sometimes, which is the mental health of our youth. Uh, it's like... We're kind of used to in this country, especially in this country, to treat symptoms mm -hmm. and not treat the real disease to make sure that people mm -hmm. are free from the disease instead of just keep getting sick and getting and making money from their, you know, you know from, from treating their symptoms. Yeah, I mean, it's a very complicated question. It's not necessarily a legal one. We're talking about public yeah. policy. We're talking to politics. We're talking the Second Amendment. I mean, there's so many reasons. One is obviously easy access to guns and not just guns. The AR-15 is the gun of choice for school shooters, right? Um, mental health issues. I mean, there's so many problems um, in this country related to crime and violence. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I it's just outside the scope of this uh, podcast. We'd be spending you and know, hours. Yes. And live examples in other countries really prove that point, Nima, is that while if you let's say you ban all guns right while banning all guns may reduce uh, gun violence and gun related deaths but it doesn't reduce the, the overall like you know like murder rates uh, like england banned guns in 1997 this is a great example their gun violence has dropped significantly but their murder rates kept rising because the the killings with knives and blood you know objects just skyrocketed yeah. So the focus, yeah, but, but, if you just focus on guns, what I'm wait, saying... Wait, 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 you're talking about murders, but as far as mass killings? Correct. Yeah, someone's mass not going to go different. stab like 26 people Correct. and kill them. Correct, I agree. Yeah. But the thing is that, if you, my point is that if you just focus on guns, you're never going to solve the problem of violence in terms of like the murders and what's going on in your society. you got to have a combination, you got to have a kind of a mixed approach. You're focusing on guns, limiting like these like, dangerous like ARs, 15, don't let them become modifiable. And also at the same time, putting a lot of money and effort and incentive into, into educating our youth, making sure they have good education, homelessness, drugs. I mean, most of the violence is like drug related anyways. But, well, but, what do you but think no about regulation about then, right? Because then it, it's kind of—it sounds like you're talking about potentially maybe having different regulations. That's a, that's a great question because if any regulation comes in, it can't be on a federal level because federal level has already tried to do this and has been held unconstitutional because the Commerce Clause has a limitation of how much a federal law can extend into the states. They can regulate interstate commerce. They can regulate some activities that have an effect on interstate commerce, but uh, most of the laws that are directed to the to the boon to to the inner cities, the problems the the federal government doesn't have a reach. Yeah, and which is why uh, most states it has to be have on the state level. Right, yes, right, yes, which is you know we have different gun laws than does yes. Texas. That's the reason. Yes. yes. God bless California. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Nima. Okay, let's talk about it. what are your thoughts on gun regulation? Because ultimately, this is where, where we're headed, right? Something like this comes out in the news, immediately people are talking about gun control, no gun control. What are your He wants to get rid of the Second Amendment. We're no. talking yeah, about. yeah, I know. Well, that's what I'm trying to get at. Without well, I, I'm trying not to get canceled by telling my real feelings. But look, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm a former prosecutor, look, and I've seen what gun violence does. And look, you're right. When it comes to murders, Maybe it won't affect the murder rate, but I'll tell you what it will affect. It'll affect the mass shooting rate. It'll come down significantly, and it'll affect the accidental shooting rate. I don't know how many people are accidentally stabbed and they die, you know? So 
It's, it's a huge issue in this country. We have the highest rates of gun violence of any country in the world. I mean, it's just astronomical. And it's something that has to be solved. But if you bring up guns to anyone in this country, it is a political loser. The NRA is the most powerful lobby in this country. I fully expect that this, quote, loophole is going to be closed pretty quickly at the federal level after this um, landmark settlement. So it's really a non-starter, um, in my opinion, politically, despite my own beliefs that there should be significant gun control in this country. What would that look like for you, Mr. Former Prosecutor? Like, what is more, is it uh, the timeline between when you apply for a gun and like, is it the background check? What is I mean, it there, there, there's so many things from just banning them altogether, limiting to law enforcement and military, to banning certain types of weapons, semi-automatic weapons that can be modified, to really stringent waiting periods and background checks. But again, doesn't matter what I think or what I want. It's just not going to happen, at least uh, where we are politically in this country. So it's a waste of time to even well, argue. I agree. I mean, gun, the issue of the Second Amendment and the gun control, it's older than all the other big like political issues, like abortion, you know. Gun, this gun control, the Second Amendment, it comes from like, you know, like from the foundation of, of this, you know, of this nation. And, and the reason it's so like rooted in, in the American society is because it was the ability to kind of bear arms that that allowed them to kind of do the revolution and and create and 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 give birth to the United States. So it has really deep roots in 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 the DNA of the American people who 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 came here, who founded this country, who went up against the King of England, and they were, you know they they won the revolution. So because of that, there's there's something American about owning a gun. Um, I agree, and it's a political loser. Obviously, it is. obviously it is. Republicans. We know how they feel about gun. Democrats, you know, and you're talking to someone who's very liberal. Um, you know, those Democrats that support gun control in those purplish states, I mean, they get voted out pretty quickly because the NRA, I mean, they vote as a block. So, you know, there's certain things that can and should happen in this country to prevent gun violence, you know, education, mental health. Um, you know, I, I think we're much closer, much, much closer to, you know, for instance, legalizing drugs or the, decriminalizing the vast majority of them than we ever are to gun control. I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I agree. I, I, I just, yeah. I agree. You agree? I agree on that, yeah. Okay. It's like, I, I don't think it's ever going to happen, in my opinion. It's such a strong, and it's backed by this, and their support is the Second Amendment, which is, a, which is like, which is in the Constitution. It's well, really, it's really. This is an issue that's very polarized. It's you're, most people are not sort of floating around in this gray area. It's either yes, we need strict gun controls, and versus no, we don't need any. We're fine. Um, actually, what here's an interesting argument that I read yesterday, actually, in preparation for this. Um, uh, when the topic was brought up about maybe having more stringent uh, regulation, right? So, say you apply for a gun. I, I don't know how that works. I assume you apply, and then they do a background check. They give you your gun. Um, there should be a longer time uh, time period, so therefore they should do a, a yeah, more thorough yeah. check. So the argument against that was, well, that's infringing on my right to have a gun because it's going to take too long. My initial reaction was, what is your hurry? As long as you're getting your gun, why do you need it right away, right? So it's, it, are you trying to get it to commit? Well, you know, you know well, listen, I mean? listen. It's the same argument. The same argument applied in abortion cases when they were when they're trying to put limitations on the time. The argument against it was like, why are you infringing my right to have an abortion this time or that time? It's. I think if you if you talk about practicability, like, yeah, there's no difference, right? Yeah. Those are good things. But if you talk about the principle, some people are just saying that in principle, I don't want government to control when I get a gun, 
how long do I have to wait for a gun? Because some people really believe in that principle that if you keep giving the government these powers, the bigger the government it is, yeah, they will provide you more things, they can do more things for you, but they can also take everything you have. I agree with that, but abortion is a personal choice that you make for yourself. Having a gun is a personal choice. Yeah, but what? How do I know you're not going to go on a killing spree? That when you're saying when you're saying abortion is a personal choice you can make for yourself, Mm -hmm. the other side is saying yeah, you're killing you're killing a lot. You're killing someone else. You're actually more criminal than someone who's buying a gun. Is the argument? By the way, at least no, 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 no. because at least the gun. But but I understand the argument because at least the gun. It's like it's vague what you're going to do with it. But I know when you commit an abortion, you're killing someone. Right. So that's the argument on the other side. Thoughts? <laughs> well, obviously, like, I'm, I'm very pro-choice, but I see the argument on the other side. I am pro-choice, too. I see it, too. No, no, no. I, I am pro-choice, no, I'm not saying that's your I'm argument. I'm saying they, they have a legit argument. It's really, it becomes a slippery slope. That's my yes. point. If you just say, you know what, for God, it's okay to wait 30 days, but for this, not. Because, listen, it's the Constitution. It's the, it's the amendment. You can't, if you are reading the right to, right to have an abortion into the Fourth Amendment, you can't say the Second Amendment doesn't give you the right. Fourteenth, fourteenth. I mean, the fourteenth, yeah. yeah. The, the fourth and fourteenth yeah. combined, yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of abortion, um, I just want to say, and it's a very similar issue in many ways, I think for the Republicans, that's a loser. Obviously, almost all Democrats are pro-choice. A lot of Republicans are pro-choice, and that's something that the, Rep- the Democrats always try to kind of slip into elections because it's going to be a loser. It um, is. I agree. It is. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Supreme Court does with the Texas uh, abortion law that they've heard. And I think a decision is going to come out in the next couple of months. So um, it's going to be fascinating uh, to see what happens because there are parallels that you guys raised with respect to both issues. Yes, I agree. If you like what you heard today, please follow us on all podcast platforms, follow us on YouTube, and stay tuned for another segment next week. Thank you.